0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yannion. Today is number two in our series on the love of God and operating in the love of God. And we're gonna do something today that really cannot be done. We're gonna try to define the love of God. The love of God is better experienced than it is actually trying to define it, but we'll do our best from the scriptures. Let's go to the word of God today and talk about the
1: love of God for the world and the love of God for you. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome back again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Two days ago, I started a series on the uh, anger of God and the love of God and how that both, if directed toward the right object, is righteous in God's eyes. When Jesus arose into heaven, Hebrews chapter one and verse nine says this, God the Father said to him, this is quoted in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. We should be lovers of the righteous acts that are done in this earth, preaching the gospel, ministering to the sick, sending people out to." witness to other people. That is righteousness, but we also need to hate iniquity. I want you to notice something too. As a Christian, there is nobody we hate. We hate the works that people do, but we love the person. This is exactly why Jesus came to this earth. They were doing things that God hated and God needed to change their heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and the body does the deeds that it does. And God wants us to come back and have a different type of motive. And that motive will be the love of God. So. Yesterday I switched and began to teach on the love of God, as opposed to the hatred of God, which again, there's times when God hates, it's fine. It's in line with scripture. He hates the evil that's in this earth and hates the evil things they are doing. But he also, his highest thing is the love of God. It was not God's hatred that sent Jesus into this earth for God so loved the world. That's the people of the world. He doesn't like the world system. He doesn't like the things the world does, but he loves the people that are in it. Jesus died for the people of the world. Romans chapter 12 and verse nine tells us as Christians, let love be without hypocrisy. This is self-centeredness. That's the wrong type of love. We are not to love as the world loves. He then goes on to tell us that we are to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. See, same thing basically that God told his son when he went into heaven. We are to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians. 13 is that meat between two pieces of bread. It's that sandwich that's there. Chapter 12 deals with the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14 deals with the working of the gifts of the Spirit in the local church. But chapter 13 talks about the highest reason we are to seek after the gifts and want the gifts, not to make us look good, not so we can print it on a card. You know, Pastor Bob, teacher of the word of God and Mr. So-and-so, a worker of, you know, gifts of the spirit, all these different things that people brag about in themselves. No, it says in First Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. now abides faith, hope and love. These three, but the greatest of these three, is love. Love is the greatest thing, and again, the motive behind why God sent Jesus to this earth to die, and why we go out and preach the gospel also. And so we ended yesterday talking about the love of God, and today we're gonna continue talking about it, and go right on into defining the love of God, and then how it operates in our life as a Christian, and then how it operates within a local church. For those of you watching today for the first time, I'm a teacher of the Word of God. That's my gift, my love, my calling, is to take the Word of God, and I've studied for years, just enjoying the Word of God, things that just explode inside of me. And for 33 years, I was a pastor of a church. Four years before that, I was a teacher at a Bible school. And today I have this broadcast. I teach at different Bible schools and churches around the country and around the world. Just enjoy what I'm doing. I love what I am doing. And I just feel such great release whenever I'm able to teach the Word of God and affect the lives of people around me. And the greatest thing I think think even happened after we got people so many people saved in our church. We saw so many of them that attended our church went out around the world and became missionaries, became pastors became Bible school teachers. I mean, the list goes on of things that were accomplished by people who attended our church, and not that I'm bragging about our church, about anybody else's, because it's the word that made the difference, the love of God that made the difference, the openness to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are things we had. And again, this is what caused the church to grow. Now, for those of you that are watching today for say, you've watched for quite a few times, welcome back. And for those of you that are partners with me, I thank you. If you would like to become a partner with me and help this broadcast to expand, and all the things we do with the broadcast, buy new equipment, then you can become one. And uh, just simply go to my website, BobYandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And believe me, I thank you in advance for becoming a partner, joining me every month in your prayers, your commitment, and also your giving. Because again, God supplies everything we need from heaven, but he doesn't supply money from heaven. He is not a counterfeiter. No, this, in this area, people give in. To the ministry, and this is a way for you to participate in the ministry. Your giving makes you, as if you worked right here in my office, it's the same thing. You are helping us to get the gospel out and you're helping us to get the teaching out to where lives can be changed. So again, bobyandian.com, you'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. I have a quick testimony to give. And this one says, and this one comes from Lena. And she said, the word that you gave on the day I washed at that exact moment was exactly what I needed. Thank you, Lena, for telling me that. Again, what a great blessing. So let's talk about the word of God again, and the love of God that shed abroad in our heart. And we grow in love. The more you understand about the word of God, the more you should grow in love toward people and getting the gospel to them and realize again, we've been left here on this earth for one important thing. Oh, there's many other things we've been left here for, but the highest one is love. Again, that God has given us faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love love. So operating in faith is wonderful. But listen, love is the most important thing. It's what drove God to send Jesus to this earth. It's what drove Jesus to come to this earth to minister to people and then even go to the cross. Just before the cross, he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. His love for God became, it was that strong. Your love for God should actually get to the point where it's so strong. Your desire is to spend the rest of your life witnessing, affecting other people's lives, and making disciples out of those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to make just a quick comment on that when Peter and John were at the gate beautiful and uh, they laid hands on that man that was there and he'd been uh, paralyzed all of his life and was just laying there begging money whenever this man began to walk and leap and praise God he accepted Jesus as his savior healing came into his body and he began to leap like he'd never leaped before it says after that he followed them into the temple this should show something to us that a most important thing is winning people to Jesus the second most important thing is they need to go to church with us. Getting people saved is the first thing, but then making a disciple out of them comes as they follow you into the church. They need to come to the church because the primary call of the church is not just getting people saved. That's a call and that's a great call, a high call. But the next reason why, and really takes up more of the reason why the church is there is to make converts into disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, it comes back to this. There's no definition of love given in our passage. Only the characteristics of love that. we have quoted before this time, so defining love gets a little hard because it's so far above us, especially God's love. Love is just that that thing inside of us. It's tangible. We can sense it. We can feel it. We know it's there. And love really is a person. For God is love. The moment I got born again, the Holy Spirit moved into me, and the love of God is shed abroad through the Holy Spirit out of my heart. And you know where it's shed to? The first thing is toward people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm going to say it again. The most important important. Important thing God gave us in this earth was that love for people. Getting people saved is the highest priority of our life. It's why the Holy Spirit was given. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. Why, the gifts of the Spirit are to be mainly used in the winning of souls, not just in church. Thank God we use them in church. Thank God we lay hands on the sick in church. Thank God we have prophecies in church, and thank God we operate in these gifts in the church. But the most important place they are given for is to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever Jesus was in his ministry, uh, he prophesied one time, and uh, he told one of his disciples there, he said, I saw you sitting under a tree. And he said, you must be the son of God. And through that, that simple word of knowledge, he received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the woman at the well. She said, I, you know, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, you don't have a husband. The one you're living with now is not your husband. And you've had five husbands before this When She said, you must be a prophet. And so she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior, ran into town and brought back a multitude of people that received Jesus too. So beauty defined is beauty destroyed. I want you to understand this. You cannot define your love for your wife or your children. You can only enjoy its benefits and enjoy the fact that it's there. Trying to describe love almost, again, takes it away. A uh, Beauty defined is beauty destroyed. A kiss defined. This is what happened one time. A person was saying, you ever heard the scientific definition of a kiss? I said, no, but I enjoy a kiss. You know, when my wife and I kiss each other, I really enjoy it. He said, let me give you the scientific definition of a kiss. A kiss is an anatomical juxtaposition between two orbicularis oris muscles in a state of contraction. I had him write that down. But you know what, after you study you go, wow, he took all the fun out of it. Well, trying to define love, takes away the meaning of it. Again, you can't define love. It is so, it's like defining God. I know we have in theology, we try to define God, but it's like at the end of it, when we get through it, say, I'm just gonna let God be God. Trying to understand him is beyond my wildest imagination. And on top of that, it can't be defined like other words can and broken down into parts and pieces, no. So if beauty defined is beauty destroyed, then what we have is trying to understand the love of God is difficult to do. Why try to understand it just just appreciate it, just love it and just use it. God simply says that love is a heart filled with his presence and then bared and shown to the world so they can see it, to take it out and show it to the world is an important thing. And when they first find it again, there's so many people that receive Jesus as savior that I've seen break out into tears. You know what that is? They don't understand the love of God. They're just experiencing it. The love of God must be experienced. And it comes out by hearing the gospel, hearing about why Jesus, Jesus, Jesus did for us on the cross, then after that is brought out by us receiving the word of God on a daily basis. The word of God shared with us shows us again, the love of God Because this is why God gave us his word is because he loves us and he wants us to enjoy his presence. We simply come back to this, that god simply says his love is a heart filled with his presence and then brought out bared and shown to the world so they can see it and it should be the motive for everything we do whether towards sinners or saints god's love backs it again i've talked to ministers it's so important that the sermons you have whether you think they're a the good sermon or you don't know if it's a good sermon let the love of god come out in it and it will change people's lives it's not your word not your study not your notes it's the love of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming through you that changes people's lives. When we come back after the break, we're going to take a look at the four Greek words found in the New Testament for the word love. It'll help to show you the difference between the world's love, people's loves, Christian's love, and God's love as we take and break them down. Again, we're offering the book on my book, on the book of Hebrews. It's a great blessing. It's where we started in the book of Hebrews, and you're going to be blessed. The announcer will tell you how you can have a copy of it for yourself. March the 7th through the 9th, I'm having my minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joseph Z will be joining me, and I want you to join me, too, no matter what phase of ministry you're involved in. March the 7th through the 9th.
1: The first Hebrew believers turned Jerusalem and the world upside down, but in 70 short years, they had become bogged down in legalism by mixing Judaism and Mosaic law with their faith. This tainted doctrine crept into the rest of the church and provoked Paul to respond with an intricate and astounding revelation of Jesus Christ. In this New Testament commentary on Hebrews, Bob Yandian employs historic biblical detail and subtleties in the original Greek to dissect Paul's brilliant argument for the superiority of Jesus Christ, the mature believer's walk, the reality of authority, and the importance of faith. To order this New Testament commentary on Hebrews, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com.
0: The first one I want to bring to is the word eros. It's actually where in the English we get the word erotic. And uh, this word is so based in its definition. I mean, it's it's as low as you can get. It's not even used in the New Testament, but it was a Greek word for love. And it was translated love, but really probably erotic is the best term for this. It is not really a love, but a, but a sexual desire on the inside. And in most cases, it's not used in the right way. You know, to have a desire for your wife, a desire for your husband sexually is fine, but eroticism is has no place in the Christian life. and the world uses it to draw sin. So again, it has the wrong connotation as far as God's love is concerned. So it's not found there, but the other three are found. The next one is the word philos. And uh, Philadelphia comes from this, the city of brotherly love. And that's exactly what the word philos means. It is brotherly love, companion love, friendship love, and used toward people, bad or good and is often used for the love of money. And so, philos here in this word of Scripture, in the word uh, here, used in the Scripture, deals with our love toward each other and our love toward the objects of life. And again, the love of money is fine, but the love of money, if used in the wrong way, it's the desire for money only. No, it's our right to desire money. It's our right to use money in the proper way. But again, philos is the word used there for that. The word storge. Uh, S-T-O-R-G-E is the word for family love, community love. And this is love within a family or love within a community, love within a church. And this is the type of love we have when there's a community around a good reason and a community around good values. And so the word storge is used there. But the highest word for for love is agape. And this is the love that comes only from God. And even if we displayed in our life, the source of it came from God. It's not based on the character of the receiver. It's based on the character of the one giving the love. And so when God shed his love toward me, it wasn't based on me, it was based on him. There was nothing in me to love, and yet God so loved me because he chose to love me. Agape is first of all, a chosen love. You choose, God chooses, used it toward you, and you choose to use it toward the people of the world, or even Christians that may be carnal or Christians that are doing fine. It's a love that we give toward people, all people. And so agape is the love, again, that comes from God, not based on the character of the receiver, but based on the character of the one who gives it, and that is your character. Love of others is a visible display of spiritual maturity. I'm gonna say that again. Love of others is a visible display of spiritual maturity. As we grow in love, listen, when you first get born again, you just love Jesus, you love God. And after a while, I mean, you might be looking around at others, you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But after you begin to grow in the things of God, a love begins to develop in you for other people. This is what drives you to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The best disciples, the best ones who win souls for others is not new converts. A disciple comes after the person has grown and the disciples are the best ones to witness. Why? Because they have a love inside of them toward people that that has grown. Oftentimes when a new convert begins to witness is simply out of enthusiasm. They just had this desire to go tell somebody what happened to them, and that's wonderful, but the best type of love you can have and the best motive behind witnessing is a genuine love for other people, a desire to see them have eternal life, not just have your experience given to them. So again, whatever drives us to witness to people, witnessing is the highest thing we're called to do. But the motive behind our witness ought to be a love for them. And that love comes as we study God's Word and find out what God did for us. And then the next thing to realize he did it for every person. So love of others is a visible display of your spiritual maturity. First John chapter four, verses seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God and he who loves not knows not God for God is love. Now that's a long verse two verses of scripture, but I simply want to point out to you that this is describing love. Beloved, let us love one another. Now in this one, not only is he talking about love toward uh, others to get them saved in the verses before this, but in this verse, he's also saying here, we need to love each other. And sometimes Christians don't have much love for each other. I've known people that would love to go out and witness to people and get them saved, but they have no desire for them after that. No desire to see them grow. And our desire should be not only to get them saved, but like we talked about, let them follow us into the temple. We need to take them into church. It says, for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And so this verse is describing here again that a person that gets born again has a love for God, but then he grows in love as he again grows in love toward other people. Beloved, let us love one another. And so the important part is that love toward God needs to expand toward each other. And we not only love the world and want to see them say, but we also love our brothers and sisters in church. That's what this verse is talking about. In 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8 that we just quoted, it's a verse that John wrote to the people of his church that he pastored. I'm going to give you some qualities of the outward display of divine love. These qualities that I'm talking about, we're not defining love. Again, I told you it's almost impossible to define love. Just take it and use it. But let me some give you some qualities that are, uh, come with the outward display of divine love in your life toward other Christians and toward the world itself. First of all, the first quality of love is this, it's not hasty. It waits patiently on the Lord who will right all wrong. And that's why the Bible says you have need of patience. And after you've done the will of God, you might see the end result. So the quality that comes, the longer we walk in the love of God, we realize something, God has been patient with me. I need to be patient with people. I need to be patient with the pastor. I need to be patient with others in the church. I need to be patient with my Christian friends around me and most of all i need to be patient with me if god is patient with me then i need to be patient with me not all my prayers are going to be answered in the next five minutes or the next five days there's been prayers that i have prayed that literally didn't come to pass for years after that and we are even told in the heroes of faith in the book of hebrews that these all died in faith and did not see the answers to their prayer come to pass in fact abraham His things that he prayed for and God told him have not even come to pass yet and will not come to pass until Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. Number two is love is not inconsiderate. It's benevolent, looks for the best in others. And how many times do all we see in people is their problems and things like that. We need to look for the best in them and to actually stop and say, there must be something good in them. If I look hard enough, I'm going to find out that they do have kindness. They do have goodness, and this is really what the results of love are in us. It makes us kind. It makes us full of goodness. It makes us constructive, and it helps to us to build up others, and again, to see them in the same light that we see ourselves. We know God so loved us. We know that God is patient with us, but oftentimes we lose that in looking toward others because we run out of patience with them. Again, we need to develop patience. I think that's one of the greatest things in the Christian life is, developing patience. I often admonish young people, you know, uh, they often say, well, I'm gonna, I'll learn this. I'm just gonna keep on studying God's word and learn it. But I can tell you something, young person, one of the best things you can do is go to church and sit beside an older person. Just ask them. If you're going through things in your life, ask them what they did. And probably one of the major things they're gonna tell you is just, honey, be patient. Put the word to the test, all these things, and eventually it will come to pass. Don't get, you know, pushy and start getting upset that it's taking so long. You'll find out that when God answers it, you still have plenty of time to live it out in this life. And so that's an important thing to understand. And oftentimes I've had people, you know, that come to our church and say, man, I've learned that. They'll say, look, I've learned what you're talking about. It took about 20 years for me to finally learn it. My attitude is this, if you'd have come to church, you probably could have sat next to somebody, an older person, Ask them about it, and in 20 minutes, they could have got you the answer that you've taken 20 years to look for. This is why church is so important. Young people and older people working together, sitting together, living the Christian life together. We have so much to offer each other. For young people, we need your strength. We need your vision. For older people, you need our wisdom and you need our finances. That's why together we can all work together and make a church so great. Next of all, love is not jealous. It rejoices with those who receive honor. You can be provoked to do better because of what other people are doing, but don't compete with them. Don't let love become a competition between you and someone else. Give them some room, give them some honor, and when they are blessed, don't say, well, my turn should have come. Your turn will come. In the meantime, rejoicing with someone else who got the things they were desiring will help to open you up and probably even speed up the process of your desires coming to pass. Next of all, love is not boastful. It appreciates and gives credit to those who contributed to your process of success in life, your maturity. I mean, there's people, there was a guy in my class when I was in high school and bragged about it all the time. His father was one of the leading attorneys in the city. He said, my dad is a self-made man. He said, that was his favorite term. My dad is a self-made man. And it took me years to finally come to this realization because those words he said rang in my ears. I thought, no, you're not. You didn't birth yourself. You didn't feed yourself. You didn't change your own diaper. You didn't raise yourself. That was your mom that that, uh, deserves some appreciation. And then the things you learned in life about, you know, working and, and having a good outlook on, that came from your dad. Then those, you didn't teach yourself, you had teachers. You didn't, you know, get your own first job and you didn't run the place. No, you had bosses that showed you what to do. You've read good books from writers and you've read God's word. It comes back to this, you are not a self-made person. It took people, God leading them into your life to make you such a blessing. The next one is, as love is not anxious to impress or show off looking for applause. Quit looking for people to notice you and start noticing other people. Start appreciating the people that are around you and your appreciation will come. Love is not arrogant. It's not puffed up. It's humble. It doesn't carry an inflated opinion of yourself and your own importance. It sees the opinions of others and the importance of others that are around you. Love is not haughty. It's gracious. You're not as important as you think you are. Love is not rude. It's courteous and it never needs to look down on other people. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. It has good manners. There's no need to try to draw attention to yourself. You should be looking at other people drawn to them and through your giving, it will come back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over the things that you're looking for out of people in your life. Next of all, love is always polite, respecting others and respecting their rights. Love is not selfish, not seeking its own. It's not provoking itself. What is in this for me? Who cares what's in it for you? Your greatest blessing comes to see when other people get blessed by God, knowing that the God that cared for you also cares for them. And finally, love is not irritable. It has a good temper. It's not touchy. And so it's not vindictive or resentful. What happens is love simply looks at others and has a great uh, desire to see them blessed. And when they are blessed, it doesn't get upset. It doesn't look at yourself and say, when's my turn gonna come? It's gonna come at the right time. In the meantime, thank God other people got blessed. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.